Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for bearing with us and welcome to the slightly feedbacky <laughs> edition of Toast of the Afternoon, which is um, a brand new event, um, something of a, a scratch event, so uh, we're trying it out as we go along. Um, it's basically related to Toast, which is the time out from Soho Theatre Edinburgh Cabaret Award, which began last year. My name is Ben Walter, I'm the cabaret at the time out in London. And last year we had time out along with the people at the Soho Theatre, who are strong supporters of um, dynamic new cabaret work as well, thought um, since the Edinburgh Fringe has started cabaret section, the official cabaret section in the programme in 2011, that an award might be a good way of uh, focusing a bit more attention and celebrating a bit more of the best work that's out there. So that's the, the background the last year's first Toast Award. Um, the Toast Award is back this year, and we've also got these three panels. There's the one today, there's another one next Thursday, and one the Wednesday after that, where the idea is basically just to, um, to meet some of the amazing performers and producers involved in cabaret at the Fringe, and to hear about their work, to talk about issues around cabaret, and to celebrate some of the work that's going on there at the festival. So, without even more ado, it gives me great pleasure to introduce three terrific um, cabaret uh, pioneers in their own ways, all with, with impeccable Edinburgh pedigrees. Um, <laughs> in the middle here is the winner of last year's inaugural Toast Award, the amazing Lady Grizzo. Just happy that it's there as another genre, wider than just 
If you look at an artistic, you know, if you look at a poster for a comedy, it's not that interesting. You know, sometimes it's quite obvious, similar imagery and everything. So cabaret, for me, just seems to represent a whole bunch more artistic possibilities. And you can do stuff without people expecting a straightforward thing. They'll let you build. They rarely shout, can you get on with it? When you're doing cabaret, they, they presume you've trained in some aspect of yourself and you're, you're coming up with a fabulous finish. Wait for it. You know, it's a love to, for me, it's just a relief and fun to have like a more fertile, exciting ground to form it. So thanks to everyone in Cabaret for existing because I suppose the nearest thing I can think about in Cabaret is that it's, um, it's a challenge for you to do an individual undefined act. So if you, if you just do a one-off thing, you can do it in Cabaret. So the people that really start Cabaret and keep it going in the last 10 years, I, I thank them because it, it meant it was there for me to step into you know, out of a plain suit into kind of raggedy corduroy. <laughs> nice, more fast. Is that uniform or just his outfit? Oh, you lose it. Like the last night, I lost a button on my jacket practicing the jazz club at 4.09, right? And then with comedy, if you've lost a button on your jacket, then you have to have, I've lost a button. You know, there's going to be a punchline. It's like, hey, I was watching Superman. In cabaret, you've got a button missing. People are just curious as to what it's going to mean later on. And what's, it's just part of life. And, I'm in cabaret. I'm much happier. Anyway, how does that, does that sound good? How does that sound? Yeah, that sounds very good. Yeah. And um, I mean, because the kinds of show that you do, and I should say, you, uh, for this bridge, you have two shows, and you have a show in the cabaret yeah. section, Men United, yep. and you have a show in the yep. comedy section yep. as well. So how does that, how do you approach those things? What are the things that, that the one, that you give yourself permission to do in one, but not in the other? It's just that we're all a million things. I think we're all we're all the Spice Girls. We're all five types of human. We're all everything, all in one. And we just choose to, you know, I'm a thousand different people. So for me, it's not a big deal. I just keep the shows three hours apart. You know, have one drink, do a comedy show at seven, clear the slate, and then open up the new fill for cabaret later that, which is a different head. So it's quite simple for me to do. You might have to be harder to define why it's expected to be a problem. I don't know. People go from the bathroom to the bedroom to the kitchen and they're lying. You know, it's not that big a deal. There are enough of us-ness to spread around. So for me, it's easy. Plus, my seven o'clock show is just storytelling. It's, it's actually quite relaxed. It's quite a simple thing. So I, but it is a good question. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> um, David, um, in terms of your work and the shows that you've been putting on, you were putting shows on at Striegel Tent, and then La Clique came along. I mean, and that's also a real sort of Edinburgh story. What was it about that particular time, sort of about 10 years ago, that you felt, you know, that that was something that there was a space for? Yeah, well, it, it sort of uh, appetites in Edinburgh. No one, no one really thought for a minute that the tape would become what it had become. And it was a complete accident that it happened to be, um, <coughs> I've seen many artists for many years in, in clubs and um, in, in performance doing their, their really brilliant two minutes or their three minutes or seven minutes and fantastic seven minutes act. But very rarely had a context to put it in. And the clique is just a variety show. It's just a variety show which I didn't invent and it's been around forever. It just happened that about 10 years ago it was, uh, there was this wave of new, uh, new burlesque, small scale circus, you know, Cabaret uh, was coming into its own as a genre. Really. I thought you know, there were different interpretations of what cabaret was, I suppose. And so the clique really just became um, a melange and mixture of all of those sorts of forms, which nobody could actually put their finger on exactly 
shows here, like Tivoli, uh, or you know, like old variety theaters in the um, in the early 20th century. You know, it was it was compiled pretty much on the spot. It came out of our late night club, and um, after a, the first year of doing lots of different artists and putting putting all these artists in a live club context, we thought we'd kind of put people together and, and put a name on it and ticket it. That, that, that's how the thing was. Um, that's how the thing was created. But it was very much part of the movement at the time. Now, accidentally, it has become a yardstick or it's become a reference point for a lot of people um, or for a lot of artists that are doing There's many, many replica shows that would now reference location as a, as a point. But, but really, I have to say that there's nothing, there's nothing, it's not rocket science. It's a, it's a complete accident. And it was just a particular collection of people, but with a particular attitude. And really, the star of the thing was always the end just the most perfect place for that kind of performance and that kind of, if you were talking about cabaret and that kind of genre, great, great artists like, um, or people who become great artists with big careers, like Camilo Sullivan, for example, would never be seen in a better environment than the street team, the 300 seater or 350 seater of that kind of person. So it doesn't matter whether you've seen she, she or other people um, like uh, Rufus Wainwright, would never, Tom Waits would never be seen better
Mayor's speed test, actually, is the speed test that I own, that's the, um, that's the one we're talking about. Uh, there are bigger ones in revenue. Um, but, but that kind of size is just perfect. And actually, it makes, it makes artists, all of those artists that, that have been in the show, I've seen them on the preceding stages, and uh, they're definitely, the venue itself enhances the experience by 30% at least. The audience Specifically that. 
how quickly they allow themselves the flicker of a smile, yeah. or at what point they decide, all right, actually, I suppose if there's a performer behind me, I could turn my head. Yeah. <laughs> I've been doing this thing lately, like when I touch people and they won't look at me, they're just, you know, and I'm right in their face and I'm touching them, I just start saying, this moment is still happening. This moment is still happening. And I just will pause there until they actually look at me, you know, and it's kind of rapey. <laughs> well, you kind of, right, so, yeah, a lot of people are laughing, but there's somebody over there not laughing. You just sort of draw them into them. So and then they come to the doors and they're like, no, no, because they're trying to keep you away. But then you're drawn into them. It's, but that's a beautiful thing. It's not all our films want that intimacy. Right. Some theatre, they, they want to be on proceeding, but we want to. We want to be surrounded in among it and touching people, climbing on a lap. It's like an essential part of it being among them and breaking it down. And, yeah, know. I think about it a lot as a, as a culture chaos. Like, it has to be chaotic, it has to be responsive, but I have to do the work of someone who's curating the moments of chaos because I don't want to encourage, um, you know, any sort of um, uh, attention-seeking response. Because you still have to be the leader. Yeah, you have to be the leader, and uh, I don't want heckling. But, um, but uh, it's, it's, a, it's a learning curve. And I, you know, I think that my work as a performer is to be a little bit more patient with people who are, are first-timers, are virgins to this sort of experience. I can't expect everyone to have grown up on the hippie hop. <laughs> a little foreplay. <laughs> but then, of course, you know, what, what is cabaret? I suppose that's an interesting subject. You know, Absolutely. Yeah. Because there are many different types, isn't there? And there, there are, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a class of European cabaret that, you know, was, was, was described very effectively in the film, but it's uh, called cabaret, but then there's also a kind of real cabaret, it's a very much a, an anarchic, crazy kind of cabaret, which or performance like, I haven't seen maybe Rizzo, but you know, like Meow Meow or something like that, you know, it's intended, it's in, she's in, intended to be as, um, as kind of, uh, it's out of control, I mean, it is going to break, break it down as much as possible, so it's a very intimate experience, and very much like, what Phil does, you're not quite sure what Phil's next intention is, and Phil probably doesn't know what to do. No, I don't have to know. No, no. And I can rely on my major thing is faith in the crowd. Faith that they will come up with something in response, and I will come up with something too. And, it's a, and that's good. There's a looseness in cabaret audiences that they're up for it like that. Even if you just wander around a I don't know, I feel around the Spiegel table, I just wander around with a mic'd up guitar and I, and I could just make up a song noodling around the crowd and, and there's an amazing sort of intensity of once you get in the crowd to be among them, just here we are in this moment, if this moment is still going on, it's like my secret catchphrase I've never discovered, that's exactly it, we're all in this, and all you need to do is bing, ring that Dala Dala room service bell, or bing, here we are, here, now, that's practically all you need to do, we're here, now, you're here, I, you know, it's enough. To then build on something creatively enough to see among that, but that's a very important thing that the bell, the silent bell of this moment is beautiful. I love what you said earlier too uh, about about the space that cabaret holds. Like, I'm a comedian too, and I, I consider myself a comedian, but when I introduce myself as such, uh, people think stand up, and, and I automatically say, Oh no, I would never want to do stand up. I would never want to do stand up because I can't handle the pressure of not having the space to go another direction. Uh, and, and I feel like comedy is changing in such that, you know, more alternative comedians uh, are rising that can allow moments of depth, 
moments of um, absurdist um, tendencies, but I feel like when I see stand-up comedy, there is just such a, a masculine, straight line of, of humor all the way through, and gotta get the laugh, gotta get the laugh, that it, it gives me a panic attack. Tell me about it. <laughs> <laughs> so, you're right, it's a penetrative, straightforward, and yeah. you're able to do a lot of weird stuff. And a win-lose. Right. Just to short it up, break it up. It's a much more circular experience yeah, more human than I, more, yeah. I have of like, we're going to get the laugh, but then we're also maybe going to cry. Yeah. We're shaped like an ovary. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're bursting, we're booming, we're growing. I can feel it. I can feel it. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I think this is all exactly kind of the essence of it, and I think it's only only appropriate at that point to, to kind of to look to our audience here. You know, we're very curious what people, uh, you know, whether it's performers or audiences or whatever, you know, what do people feel about the way cabaret is going here at the Fringe or in general, you know, in, in the culture, if you're working in the industry, you find things easier or it's literally familiar over there. Sorry, we don't have a <laughs> I think that one of the troubles with getting a response is people are used to watching television and they don't realize they can participate. Yeah. That's just an observation that I find. I do stand up comedy and I think that it's so much easier with cabaret because with cabaret, you're able to you're able to really touch their hearts and really what you were saying. Stand up, I, but my, my cabaret is comedy. Right. Usually. <laughs> uh, but, but I think that, that, that a lot of the response has to do with your openness to encourage them to do it. I don't think, I mean, one of the things I, I tell myself before I kill myself is it's never the audience. I don't want to kill myself right away. It's never the audience, it's always you. And it's, a, it's, a, it's an art to get them to understand that they can be part of it without being the star. I'm wondering if they say, no, no, this is my show. But yeah, uh, and I think that that's part of it. And if audiences, if, if, that's why I like to speak with them, because you're, you're practically, your face is practically on the stage. So you're all part of the performance in Cavalry, whereas I think the stand-up comedy, it's getting to the point where, where we involve them. They're all afraid that I'll drop dead, so they're all standing there waiting for me. That's that's the art. <laughs> anyway, that's a comedy. Hey, thank you very much, Andrew um, And I think what you mentioned about comedy is moving towards that. I think that applies across a lot of a lot of forms. I think we're seeing more theatre that's about what's going on in the room. You know, in terms of comedy, I mean, some of the acts that I've seen here, uh, like Red Bastard, um, is very much about you know, the sort of the dynamic within the room, or things like punch drunk, or things, yeah. or even uh, drumstruck, yeah. um, which is a show where everybody has a drum. And that's, you know, you can do something there, which you can't do just with performance. Um, and so I don't know if there are people here who are newcomers to cabarets in whatever way. I'd like to find a difference. I think 
excited about it and I feel that they should get more reaction because I'm, I'm, I'm proud of it you know there's most comedians are in one genre and I'm allowed to go to another so I'm very happy but no it doesn't really make much of a big deal to do you ever have cabaret people saying like you're not really cabaret yeah <laughs> I remember going to a party once in England and then and primal screamer there and, and we're there where are you from oh, I'm from Glasgow and they're like no your accent's not strong enough and there was a bit of trouble 
So yeah, you could be not enough for what people imagine you should be. But certainly most of my, I get it all the time in comedy, but you're not comedy enough for comedy. Right. And you're not cabaret enough for comedy, which is a great, it's actually a, you know, compliment, compliment yeah. in a funny form. So yeah, but I'm not, it's not a big deal with me, definitely, no, no, no. It's a big deal for me, but it's not a big deal for anyone else. We've actually just had experience directly on this. We tour half the time in Australia and half the time in the UK. Who are you? Say who you are. I'm Boo Dwyer, I'm Tita Bama, and we're musical cabaret punk girls. Um, so we, um, we started off the tour in Adelaide um, at the, the French Festival there. But I think a lot of the, um, the spreading of cabaret and the different genres also depends on the bookers. At the moment, the bookers and the clubs some of them are so closed-minded as what they will book. It's why it's not spreading. And then you get some bookers that just that just take a chance. We found in Australia they didn't have as strongly preconceived ideas of it must be stand-up, it must be a, a dude, it must be this. And we went in and we did what in this country would maybe only be described as cabaret and wouldn't maybe get booked in a in a straight comedy club. In Australia they went, ciao, fuck it. Let's, let's give it a go. And we went in, and people that had gone to the comedy night not knowing what to expect, that maybe didn't like some of the acts, they came away wanting to go to the night again because of our unexpected act that, that they didn't expect to see. And I think maybe when the bookers open up a little bit and realise that it doesn't have to be straight stand-up, that if we can provide something else that then brings people back to the clubs, then maybe there's, there's a, a nice relationship that can happen there. But I think the bookers have a bit of responsibility as well. Well, it's, it's very really gin o'clock. Just before that, if, uh, if we might, Lady uh, Rivers very kindly offered to give us a suitably lo-fi in the room little mini performance. Uh-huh. 
Long before he met his there has been a praying mantis, and you know why he's on his knees. He may have religion, but he's just a city pigeon when a woman even stops to teeth. He won't even quibble if she has a little nibble on his neck. What a way to go. And now you're gonna go that you've been messing with a heart, and she's a blue bird and wasp, you know. And just as you do it, she'll inject it with the fluid that you ain't even had to You'll meet on the plate, not even first grade. She's gonna feed you to the seventh son. Just like the Queen Bee, baby. Pray that you may be left on the road. Oh, oh, you'll give, you gonna outlive you. Oh, 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 but the Queen Bee's never gonna be alone. Oh, oh. So, in conclusion, it's an optical illusion if you think that we're the weaker race. Men got the muscle, but the lady got the hustle, and we'll see that there ain't no face. The mother bear socks and the queen of the hawks are the one that bring home that bread. The lion that is regal and the bald that is eagle are the one that keep the children fed. So in the evening, we're like Adam and Eve inside the garden of the serpent's sound. It's so frustrating when you're really into making men and women loving men around. It's so frustrating when you're really into making Thank you. 